Hello, I'm Dr. Stephen Hassan with another episode of the Influence Continuum. And boy, am I excited about this interview about a very important topic and book called Conspiracy. I have a guest that I've actually known for decades, Michael, uh, way back to the James Randi era and your founding of Skeptic Magazine. You are the founding publisher. And I'll just say a few things about your uh, laudatory credentials. Uh, you have a podcast called The Michael Schir Shermer Show. You're a presidential fellow at Chapman University where you teach Skepticism 101, which is awesome. You have uh, been uh, doing a monthly column for Scientific American for 18 years. Wow. Uh, and you have a Substack column and you have written so many great books. I will call out one that I use regularly, Michael, on my cases called The Believing Brain, mm. which has particularly really helped me understand. And this book, Conspiracy, base, is based on that mm. uh, understanding, which we'll talk about. You've been everywhere on every talk show, every major thing. And I'll just add that you have an interesting uh, uh, credentials in education in psychology, experimental psychology, and your PhD is in the history of science. And with that, I want to hold up your book. And I really think this is a major contribution to everyone because frankly, there are millions of people walking around with conspiracy theories on the left, on the right, in the middle, uh, and sorting out the differences between mm -hmm. actual conspiracies that you talk about in the book and name properly, and trying to then talk about effective ways to interact, which I think is especially valuable uh, in this day and time. And so with that, Michael, uh, I'll just add one more personal thing. My thanks to you for having me out when you were at Caltech to speak decades ago, mm -hmm. uh, and you had a TV show exploring the unknown, which you featured, you know, a segment on cults, and I got to be one of your experts. So thank you for that support too. So no, you're welcome. I'm finished now, <laughs> and I want my listeners to learn about you and and your valuable contributions. Um, please, opening comments about maybe why you did this book called Conspiracy in 2022. Oh, well, it was time, obviously, with the conspira conspiracy conspiracy theorist-in-chief in the White House uh, for the previous uh, four years. It was obvious that conspiracies are not fringe beliefs. They're, they're not uh, just embraced by tinfoil hat wearing wackadoodle weirdos in their base parents' basement. You know, the this was all the way up in the White House. And you know, we know the people uh, who stormed the Capitol on January 6th were not uh, those kind of people. They were regular folks. We know who they were. And, uh, you know, they had jobs and families and careers and they were you know, white collar workers and ex-military and ex-police. And so it's like, what went into their thinking? Mm -hmm. You know, that's I kind of opened the book with that guy walking across the, you know, in the Capitol Dome with his Confederate flag, you know, what, what is this guy thinking? Are these people taking selfies inside uh, the building? Mm -hmm. What, what were they planning on doing? Uh, I mean, did they really think, uh, you know, Trump was just going to march in and they were going to take over and, and then what, 
<laughs> you know, they 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 hang Mike Pence and, and kill Nancy Pelosi. And then what? <laughs> you know, and I think a lot of beliefs are like that. They, you know, they, they're not carefully thought out. They're just like, well, this is what our team believes or our tribe. And I'm going to just go along with it because it just seems like the right thing to do. Um, I mean, they said it was stolen, so I guess I guess it was. You know, what do I know, right? The boss said. <laughs> and, well, uh, I would I would just add, Michael, from my own research in the cult of Trump and everything else, that in fact I predicted there would be violence if he wasn't reelected, and I was very aware of these mega churches that comprise some forty to sixty million Americans and these new apostolic reformation megachurches and small churches, but they have leaders who claim to get direct messages from God and mm. speak in tongues and supposedly cast out demons. And, so, and they were saying God told them Trump won. Mm. And we just recently in the news, uh, Stuart Rhodes, uh, the head of the Oath Keepers, was found guilty of seditious conspiracy, mm -hmm. which uh, indicated, and I, in fact, in interviewed a former naval intelligence officer after the January 6th attack. And he said, this was a planned military thing with the crowds distracting, but there actually was a, a, a more formal plan for what to do to stop the uh, certification of the election. Yeah. yeah, indeed. Right. Yeah. So forgive me for in interjecting. Yeah, no. no, that's such a great phrase, seditious conspiracy, because it, it it was a conspiracy. So not just a conspiracy theory, which is an idea or a theory about possible conspiracies that may or may not exist. Some theories are real, some are not. And so it's a signal detection problem. How do you know? And uh, so it's good to separate those. So when you know, people say, oh, that's just a crazy conspiracy theory. That That's not really an accurate way to describe things because some conspiracy theories are not crazy. They're actually describing something real. In this case, that was, uh, you know, seditious conspiracy. And, and Trump's conspiracy theory that the election was stolen was a false conspiracy theory. We know, you know, because... Uh, you know, every election official involved, including Trump appointed Republican election mm -hmm. officials, all the way up to Republican Bill Barr, uh, you know, Attorney General Bill Barr, with all the resources of the Department of Justice said, and all the motives to find fraud, you know, right. said we found none. That should have ended it. Normally that would, uh, but it didn't in this case, because I think for reasons that you write about in your book, uh, there was something different going on here. I mean, Democrats always accuse Republicans of voting shenanigans and so on. But it usually stops after a few weeks after the election, and then they start focusing on the next election or whatever. Right. But this was unusual. I mean, Trump, he even uh, was skeptical about the 2016 election that he won. You know, it's like, dude, you're supposed to, you know, the winners don't uh, continue with the conspiracy theories, right? And, uh, you know, so. But my take with him was that he didn't think he would win. So he was already saying the election was rigged to just kind of like, you know, protect his ego or whatever. Well, I think the, the continuing afterwards was he uh, that Hillary won the uh, the general election. And so she, he was not happy about that. So, um, yeah, the yeah, popular and, vote. Exactly. And, you know, and one more point that I, sure. I, I connect to your work is, uh, you know, as you say, you know, no one joins a cult. They join a group that they think is really going to be great. And so no one no one believes a conspiracy theory in the kind of pejorative sense. Like, you know, I believe this crazy idea because I'm crazy. No one thinks that, you know, they think they're, they, you know, they, they have a true idea. 
and they're on the on the inside with the secret knowledge, you know, QAnon and all that, and no one else knows. And we we got the Q drops today, so now we know what's really going on. In the same way, I use from your work is, uh, you know, no one no one joined Jim Jones' group to go to Guyana and drink the Kool Aid. You know, they they joined this church that was innovative and progressive, and you know, integrated the church. Blacks there were blacks and whites in the pews and manning the soup kitchens, helping the poor people in San Francisco. You can see pictures of Jim Jones with. Governor Jerry Brown in his first round, right? So it's like, exactly. That, why would you not want to get behind that cause? That's a good group to join, right? And then, you know, 20 years later, you're down in Guyana doing crazy stuff. Yeah, so. he was doing fake faith healings to get uh, more people following him, but that's a mm. whole nother mm. topic. Michael, uh, you are a fountain of knowledge, and I, I want to cover a couple of key points that were important for me in reading this new book of yours and how you emphasize the biological evolutionary importance of reacting to a perceived threat. And I would love for you to talk about that and type one and type two error as mm. you did in the book, mm. please. Right, so back to um, whether your conspiracy theory is true or not. So it's a signal detection problem. Uh, you think that the conspiracy theory is true, and it is, that's a hit, that's good. Uh, you think the conspiracy theory is true, and it turns out that it's false, that's a miss, that's a, a type one error, a false positive. Uh, and but, but a worse error than that is to miss a real conspiracy theory. That is, the conspiracy theory is true, and you think it's false. And so that's a more dangerous error to make, because that could cost you, you know, in terms of uh, flourishing or even your life. And because there are conspiracies, this is the point. In 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 even in like hunter gatherer, you know, uh, uh, societies where, you know, people do conspire. They gossip. They talk behind other people's backs. They they plot. They do things to gain power, access to women, uh, food, resources, whatever. I mean, these sorts of things do go on. And so I'm I'm claiming that we evolve this propensity to make more type one than type two errors. Assume. Uh, more conspiracy theories are true, even if they're not, because it's a low cost error to make compared to missing a real conspiracy theory. So, um, and then, you know, much of my book talks about all the real things that have happened. The U.S. government, the CIA, the FBI, corporations, you know, we these things happen, right? So, you know, it's not surprising when people say, I don't trust the government. Well, there's good reasons why uh, people shouldn't trust the government. <laughs> yeah, and I'm a former member of the Moon Cult, and I came to learn after I got deprogrammed that the CIA helped to set up the Korean CIA, and they located a local cult group to be a front for them to brainwash South Korean dissidents mm. because they had two coups and they wanted stability. So for me, you know, I was a victim of a government you know, program, uh, because they brought it over to the U.S. when Americans were leaving the Vietnam War, and they thought maybe they could recruit bright, intelligent, educated people from college campuses to say, no, we need to stay in Vietnam and kill those commies, right? So that was their thinking mm. just before I got recruited, and I really believed 100%, and they isolated me and sleep-deprived me anyway. But the point is, is uh, I feel like I was a victim of a covert operation that the public still doesn't understand the nature of intelligence services and how this is part of their business. 
Right. Yeah, exactly. Like COINTELPRO, which was the counterintelligence program by the FBI to infiltrate um, social justice uh, uh, groups in America, like the Black Panthers and the American Indian Movement, feminist groups and so on, in which a, a number of members there in the room were just actually FBI agents. And, uh, you know, they had the tie-dye T-shirts and jeans with wingtips or something, you know. Right. Yeah, <laughs> so they so, so supposedly identified. And uh, what were they doing there? Well, spying and also just to make them look bad. Right. So not just, you know, it's kind of a false, almost almost like a fake news kind of thing uh, in, in today's jargon. And, mm. you know, it's like, wait, our, our, our government was doing this? Yeah. You mean without congressional approval and not? Yeah, right. Exactly. All the way up to J. Edgar Hoover signing off on that letter sent to... Um, a Martin Luther King Jr. that, uh, you know, basically blackmailing him. They recorded his sexcapades in hotel rooms with mm -hmm. women and said, we're going to make these tapes available if you don't kill yourself, in so wow. many words. And I remember when, you know, that when that letter first came to light, it wasn't clear who sent it. And it turns out it was sent by the FBI uh, under the direction of J. Edgar Hoover. What? <laughs> Are you right. kidding me? Our government to a U.S. citizen who's protected by the Constitution. Yeah, exactly. It's... Um... I just want to comment that I just put online a course for clinicians, but in the beginning of the course, I included a short army recruitment video for their psyops department. Mm. Learn how to deceive the enemy. Really? Yes. Oh, wow. And uh, so it's it was out on the internet, an army.com. And, <laughs> like, wow. and, and then I read this morning about an article where the Department of Defense has said, we need to review our policies for doing disinformation uh, on, on Western platforms. Mm. But, you know, it, it's creepy. It's creepy, a little bit like the MK Ultra, you know, dosing U.S. citizens with psychoactive drugs because we wanted to understand brainwashing and fear that the Russians, Chinese, and North Koreans were ahead of us. It's a brainwashing gap, right. <laughs> mind mind control gap, right? And uh, so that you know, you, you're very familiar with that case of uh, Frank Olson, who worked Absolutely. for the CIA. It was a chemist, and uh, you know, I watched that four-hour, six-hour documentary, Earl Morris's film uh, Wormwood, about that mm. case. And it looks to me, and oh, by the way, at a recent book event, I met Cy Hirsch, the famous journalist, hmm. who looked into that. And he he could never prove it, as as Earl Morris also failed to prove, and the son, mm -hmm. uh, Eric Olson, Frank Olson's son, who's tracked this down for decades. There's no smoking gun exactly, but Cy Hirsch told me, because I asked him, just sitting in the green room for this event, and he says, yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely certain they murdered him. You know, they, mm. the CIA. Because there yeah. were some agents there in the hotel where he was staying, where he jumped out of the high New York high rise to his death, or was he? And you know, there uh, the, the CIA did settle with the Olson family. They did a seven hundred thousand dollar payout without admitting guilt. You know how those things go. I suspect foul play there. Yeah. And you know why would we not suspect that, given everything else they've done? Yeah. So let's circle back because you are a believer in truth. You want people to use all of their brain, including their prefrontal and frontal cortex, to analyze uh, things. So I believe you're doing this because you have hope that we can kind of turn this around, educate more people, get more, especially young people, to protect themselves and learn how to discern you know, healthy sources or not. So please uh, say some more about uh, 
what we need to do going forward, and I especially want to get to your part three of the book mm. where you give mm. advice on how to talk to people about conspiracies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, first, first of all, signal detection theory is a thing in social science, which we try to use um, different techniques to get out what's actually true. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it does matter whether the election was stolen or not, or the, in the recent example in Arizona, you know, whether that was rigged or not, and that Carrie Lake was suing that, you know, she said ahead of time, if I don't win, then it, I'm going to, right. it's like, okay. Uh, so the truth matters because people act on what they think is true, whether it's true or not. And, uh, you know, so a lot of those mass public shootings have been driven by these white supremacists who believe that, you know, the Jews are trying to replace this or, you know, whatever their theory is. So the first thing we have to do is show why the, the idea is wrong. The thing that you believe is true is actually false. And therefore, you don't need to act on this. Now, the part of the problem is that not all these theories are equal. So uh, part of the thing I'm getting at with the, you know, why the rational believe the irrational what would be irrational? Well, Pizzagate has got to be the craziest conspiracy theory I've ever encountered, right? That the Republicans led by Hillary Clinton are leading this, um, this secret satanic cult out of a pizzeria in which they're conducting pedophile uh, experiments with children and so on. How can it, does anyone actually believe that? Well, pollsters tell us that, you know, some non-trivial two-digit percentage of Republicans say they believe it. Now, they can't possibly believe that, you know, Hillary is doing this or Beyonce or Tom Hanks. You know. So when they say, I believe it, I think it's a proxy for something else. Uh, I mean, I, I'll, I'll admit one guy believed it. Edgar Welch went there with his gun. Uh, right. But no one else. I mean, if you really thought there was a crime being committed and no one was doing anything about it, wouldn't you call the police or do something? Right. So when they say, I believe it, I think what they really mean is. I don't like Democrats. I don't like the Clintons, that Hillary. I, the, I'm going to own the libtards or idiots or you know something else such that if I take you to the pizzeria and go, look, there's no basement. There's no pedophile ring going on here. It's not like you're going to own that case. I'll vote for Hillary because you were never going to vote for Hillary. You don't, you hate the Dem you know, right? So it's a proxy for something else. And like the OJ trial, you know, he was acquitted based on a conspiracy theory. The LAPD planted the bloody glove. That's a conspiracy theory. Very, very, very likely a false conspiracy theory. Right. But if you look at the history of race relations between the LAPD and blacks in L L.A. in the 50s and 60s, 70s, not good. I mean, they did do things like plant bloody gloves and sure. you know, fake evidence and, and so forth. So it's kind of understandable. There's kind of a rationality underlying it, whether the specific thing is true or not is beside the point. Mm -hmm. Right. So um, then I go into, well, how do you know which conspiracy theories are true or not? Well, there's certain criteria we could use, how many people would have to be involved. So if it's just a small department in the CIA with a couple of people working on some, you know, rigged election or dosing some American citizen, that's possible. You know, you can get away with that. If not too many people have to be involved, you don't have to have too many elements to come together just right, because that's how conspiracies are usually conducted. For some narrow particular thing, we just want to get this one goal here, win this one election or or do this one little thing here, like Volkswagen cheating the emission standards in in uh, Europe. Why? To make more money. You know, it's not it's, it's not a you know it's not to conquer the world or control the world population like Bill Gates is going to do with vaccines. You know, those are just so unlikely because all the people that have to be involved, the elements that would have to come together, the grandiosity of it is just impossible to pull off because that's not how the world works. You know, so those kinds of things uh, uh, we can look at with any given conspiracy theory. And I want to add, you did a good job on the 9-11 truther mm -hmm. claims and why it was impossible. That, impossible. Yeah. I mean, you don't even have to know anything about uh, thermite and super thermite and why buildings fall or 
demolition. You don't have to know anything about that. Just just to know that the planes hit and you're claiming that the uh, explosive devices were planted. It's not possible for those two things to be true more than one or the other. Now, there are people that claim there were no planes. It was all a CGI or something like that. They're called the no-planers. But most of the truthers debunked the no-planers, so that's kind of amusing. Yeah. <laughs> right? Uh, but, so, yeah, I mean, and then you start adding components, like the people planting the explosive devices in the World Trade Center buildings would have had to know ahead of time which floors the planes were going to hit at the right angle. Because if you look at the video, in slow-mo, the buildings start to collapse at the point where the impact was. That's where the collapse begins. And not to mention... Uh, you know, how did they get into the World Trade Center buildings? You know, these are two of the most secure buildings in the world. And remember, 90, 1993, Al-Qaeda tried to uh, blow up one of the buildings with a truck bomb in the in the parking structure underneath, right? So they're, you know, security all over the place. How do you get in there, break through the drywall here, yeah. and get to the support beams and put in the explosive devices around, uh, up and down all, you know, 100 floors, and no one noticed, right? Right. And then, and then totally, counterfactuals. Totally. What what else would have to be true if that were true? Well, first of all, you'd have hundreds of people involved, if not more. Not one of them wants to come forward and write a tell-all book, go on sixty minutes, and go, "Hey, I was dating this guy, and he told me he knew somebody that was in on it, and he, and I found his journal, and here it is." Or, or you know, they paid this guy to do this, and here's the paper trail for the money that right. he was he was getting. Something like that, or right. you know, WikiLeaks re revealed you know millions of top secret documents. Nothing in there about 9/11 as an inside job. By the way, nothing about the fake moon landing. <laughs> nothing right. about JFK was shot by the CIA operatives. Nothing like that. Right. You know. So again, if that if that were true, then we should have some evidence, and there's no evidence. All we have right, is anomalies. and you demonstrated that if there was evidence, you would have put it in the book because you did a whole yes. chapter on the government conspiracies that we right. know now are real. And also when people re refuse to respond to evidence, that's a sign that they're locked in an ideology. So the birtherism, it didn't matter what Obama did. You know, here's my birth certificate. Here's the long, here's the short form. Here's the long form. You know, here's the secretary of the state of Hawaii and the health certificate person. And they publish it in the newspaper. There it is. No, no, I still don't believe it's all fake. Fake, 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 fake. You know, you'd have to have dozens of people, again, secretly planting evidence and, and, uh, and making fake birth certificates and no one caught them doing this. Right. You know, again, impossible. Yeah, agreed. So can we move on to, uh, to um, you know, your prescriptions? Uh, yeah. And yeah, you started part three with the Constitution of Knowledge by Jonathan Rauch. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name Rauch, correctly. Right, Jonathan Rauch. Rauch. Yeah. Can you talk yeah. a little bit about that? Yeah, this, that? Is a, this is a great book. This is one of the most important books I've read in a long time on the Constitution of Knowledge is basically a defense of truth free speech, open inquiry, and and rules and standards of evidence. Like in journalism, you have fact-checking, editors, you know, like what a concept. And that's actually a fairly new concept. That wasn't really until the well into the 20th century before, you know, the media started setting up rules, which are now being abandoned online uh, for social media. But, you know, that was the idea in science. You know, the reason we have peer review and, uh, you know, clinical trials and uh, randomized controlled trials and blind and double blind conditions and so on is because of the problem of human cognition, even without the intentional fraud element or anything like that. You know, just people get it wrong. We're not omniscient. We're not deities. Um, you know, I don't know for sure. And you don't either. So you and I have exactly. to work together as a community to figure out what's true. 
And uh, of course, this is what we do in physics and biology and so on. But it has to be true also in social science and, and these kinds of areas. Sure. And, um, and particularly in the case with conspiracies where some of them are real. Okay, what are, what's our test? You know, what criteria are we going to use? Now, there's a social element to it as part of it that, you know, trust in institutions is vital to, uh, you know, having a, a republic like ours in which we have free press and, 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 and lots of freedom. Um, I can't, I wouldn't even know who to call in Georgia or Arizona if you told me that you thought there was something wrong with the election uh, results. Uh, but, uh, but the Department of Justice knows, you know, and, and, and the election officials in Arizona, they know who to call. So they looked into it. And so when, when they would be motivated to find fraud and don't, then I, an outsider, can look in that and go, yeah, okay, then I, I, don't, I trust what they say. You know, it's not an argument from authority. It's not an argument from faith. Or you know, it, It's that the system works most of the time pretty well. Mm -hmm. You know, same thing in science, you know, climate, climate science or vaccines or, or whatever. It's like, it's not that scientists are omniscient or that, you know, we have a blind faith in them or they are authorities and we obey our authorities. No, it's that the system works pretty well that constitution of knowledge, that they're, they're competitive. They try to debunk each other. And so decades after of research and it comes, trickles down to the public, this is the scientific consensus. Of course, there's always a few that don't agree, but that's okay. Uh, if we have a consensus, it's probably right. Mm -hmm. you know, it, they, they could all be wrong. It's possible to keep an open mind. But for the most part, you know, I as an outsider, you know, what do I know about quantum physics? I don't. So when I read something, challenging it, I go to my quantum physics friend and go, okay, what, is there something here? Is there something, what's wrong with this? And right. They tell me, I go, oh, okay. You know, again, I'm no, not going exactly. to- No, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But there's been an assault on, on experts and science and institutions that are designed to try to help better humanity and, 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 and make our lives better. So that I think authoritarians who want to do mind control want people to be confused and overwhelmed and overtired and doom scrolling on their social media where they can keep reinforcing through repetition, and you mentioned that as well, over and over and over again. And then the human mind seeks to confirm our existing beliefs and mm -hmm. without reflecting, how did I ever adopt that belief in the first place? Mm -hmm. Right, going down the rabbit hole, yes. Well, particularly during the COVID shutdown, people were home scrolling through their uh, internet uh, sources and so on, and then they that's how they fall into that. Without an outside source, somebody that walks in and goes, uh, what is it you, you're, you're believing now? Uh, how did you come to that belief? You know, just asking those kinds of questions, like section three of the book, you know, just at, engaging with people, not just saying you're, you're a, an idiot to believe that. That's not going to do it. They'll just shut down and not listen to you. But just, oh, well, that's interesting. But, uh, you know, who said that again? What was the source of that? Uh, you know, how did they know it's true? What was their source? You know, who is, uh, you know, what, what What are the counter arguments to that? Let's steel man the other side instead of straw man them. Explain steel man and straw man, please. Yeah, so the straw, straw man argument is, a, is an old one in logic that, you know, you you recount or you restate somebody's argument in a way that they they don't believe that it's it's simple and it's obviously wrong. And then you debunk that and, that and then they just go, well, that's not what I was arguing. So steel manning is where you repeat the person's, what you think is the person's argument and to the point where they go, yes, that mm. is what I am arguing. And mm. then you can engage with it. Right. That actually takes a little effort because 
either you weren't really listening or they didn't really quite mean it the way they said it. And then when they hear you repeat it, they go, oh, that, uh, no, <laughs> let me let me restate that so it's a little stronger. But that's OK. I mean, because all of us have trouble communicating our ideas. Right. So just go back and forth until you get it. Like where the person goes, yes, that's exactly what I believe. OK, OK, now let me tell you why I disagree or why I think you might be wrong. or even just ask them. That's interesting. What would it take for you to change your mind? What, what would be a counter example of that? Right. And uh, so one of my favorite examples is this when when Bill Nye de debated this uh, young earth creationist, uh, Ken Ham at Answers in Genesis. And the moderator asked each of them, what would it take to change your mind about evolution or creationism? And Bill Nye said, oh, well, and he gave arguments, you know, this would counter it or, you know, fossil rabbits in the Precambrian uh, level where there's no there's no animals at all and so on. And Ken Ham basically just said nothing. <laughs> this is my belief. I, I'm never going to change my mind. Yeah, and a demonstration the, of closed-mindedness versus open-mindedness, where you separate yes, your ego right. from your beliefs, and that's what's so effective about what you're, you know, representing in your book as a, a good strategy. And it mirrors my own. What I've come up with over time is like, hey, all I care about is what's true. I could be misinformed. Please educate me. Mm -hmm. But show me the facts, show me. Mm -hmm. and, and, and if they give you 40 links to YouTube videos, <laughs> what I say is pick one that was most influential. Let's watch it together and discuss it. Then it'll be my turn to give you one video. Let's watch it. And we'll go back and forth until we agree on what seems to be more logical or likely to be. But it all comes, as you said correctly, you have to respect the person and you have to demonstrate an open-mindedness yourself. And, and repeating back what they say shows them that you really were listening and you're really paying attention to the arguments and it invites them to really listen to you and what arguments you're going to offer as well. Um, what else? Keep emotions out of the interaction. I love that. Discuss mm -hmm. ideas. Don't attack people. I just jotted down a small mm -hmm. sampling, so I'm hoping the listeners will want to go and get your book and and listen to it. And you you did uh, read your audio book, and I love mm -hmm. when authors read their own material. So I confess, yeah, me too. <laughs> I have the the physical book in addition to listening to you read it. Um, Show respect, assume the best intentions instead of saying, oh, you're crazy or you're nuts or you're stupid. That never will work uh, persuasively. And ask them for examples, ask them for details is also. Right, right. yeah, absolutely. I even try to, I always try to find something positive to say about the other side. If I'm debating a creationist or a Christian about morality or something, I'll say something like, you know, there's a lot of aspects of the Christian religion that I do respect, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and so on. And then before I launch into my criticism of it, even with Trump, even with mega Republicans, you know, I'll say something like, well, you know, much of what Trump did before he lost his mind over the election was pretty standard Republican stuff, you know, like uh, lower taxes, uh, you know, deregulate the business, you know, the business economy to boost the economy, tighten up the borders, you know, and so on. This anybody would have, any Republican would have done those things. Jeb Bush, uh, Ted Cruz, Marco Rubio, and, and by the way, I think 
I, I forget who wrote this. It might have been Jonah Goldberg. That that if it would have been a president, uh, Jeb Bush or Cruz or Rubio, they probably would have nominated those three same uh, candidates for the Supreme Court because they're all under the influence of that um, Federalist Society. Exactly. That, that tracks all those uh, judges and who's going to make the, the best judges for what we want. You know, the, the laws we want, for, for example, to overturn Roe v. Wade. Yep. So we probably would have had the same three judges anyway. Yeah. So you can't really blame Trump for that. He was just doing what any Republican would do. Um, I couldn't agree more. I, I have looked into the Federalist Society and Opus Dei and the Council for National Policy, which were all right wing institutions. And the Federalist Society was actually identifying talented, bright people in law school to encourage them and groom them to eventually mm. go on the bench. And I actually met Ginny Thomas in 1986. She had gotten out of LifeSpring, which is a large group oh, yes. awareness training thing. And she actually was advocating for cult awareness, uh, you know, for to recognize oh, uh, Leo Ryan's assassination by Jim Jones's people, etc. Clarence Thomas got in, uh, uh, they married, then they were converted to Catholicism by Antonin Scalia's son. Oh, really? I did not know this. Yeah. Oh. And then they went off, you know, into right-wing lands, and ultimately her text to Mark Meadows, the former chief of staff of Trump, talking about all these QAnon crazy belief stuff that she apparently believed at that time. Right. And still, right? I mean, wasn't wasn't there mem something from her about the storming of the Capitol uh, uh, just before Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. and Biden being, you know, tried in a military tribunal and mm -hmm. other other really upsetting concerning things. But I, I don't uh, you mentioned the Opus Dei. I didn't I didn't know they were still uh, active. Oh, very much so. Uh, William Barr was on the uh, Catholic Information Center board of directors which is mm. opus day in washington dc that was used to recruit uh politicians etc and uh i've worked with people who were in opus day and helped them to exit and they've applied my bite model of authoritarian mm. control and i recently just did an interview uh with a television show because there are some 43 former members suing Opus Day because they were labor trafficked. They were promised mm. an education and they were basically maids. And uh, oh, like exploited. Scientology, exactly like Scientology. Another one of my favorite destructive authoritarian cults that needs to get outed more. More, yes. Well, there's been a lot. I'm amazed they haven't been prosecuted for fraud or I don't know what, like uh, slave labor or whatever. Well, there's actually a trafficking case that's been leveled um, by people born in the cult who signed a billion-year uh, contract for the Sea Org. And, um, so, and, and David Miscavige, the now head of it, has been named explicitly by that trafficking. And oh, the former number oh, three man, Mike Rinder, just oh, right. came out with a book. Yeah, but, I saw that. Yeah, I, I haven't read his book yet, but yeah, well, but and has, by the way, parenthetically, has anyone found uh, Mrs. Miscavige? <laughs> I forget her first name. Uh, but didn't she go missing or something like that? Yes, that that was part of Leah Remini's story, where right. she was uh, going to Tom Cruise's wedding and like, where's Shelley? 
she's my friend and they whisked her away and treated her as a security risk that she really? was asking this question. Mm. And I, I, I've been told that the police have knocked on their compound and said, are you okay, Shelly? And she's surrounded by cult members. Yes, I am. And, mm. and mm. Uh, yeah. I, yeah, I yeah. hear too many horror stories coming out of Scientology still. But, mm -hmm. um, yeah. you know, living in Southern California, you are in the, the heart of the celebrity <laughs> yes. center, you know, <laughs> yes. recruitment thing. Yeah, no, I've been to that the big blue building there on Sunset Boulevard. Yeah, uh, it's it's really something. I try to visit Scientology offices whenever I travel because most cities have them, and uh, several of them I've noticed have desks with a pen and a writing pad for L. Ron when he comes back. <laughs> he can pick pick up where he left off. Yeah, he was source, <laughs> and he's supposedly researching on other dimensions. Of course, their upper level secret beliefs are about Xenu and the galactic dictatorship yeah, and yeah. all that stuff that's supposed to make us die as soon as we hear it, and no one's died yet. <laughs> that's right. Yes, but anyway. <laughs> Michael, tell tell our listeners a bit more, because honestly, I feel like people need to get grounded again, that it's science that helped us to evolve to this high technological advanced place where we're respecting women's rights and gay rights and indigenous rights. It's science that has helped medicine conquer so many illnesses. Mm -hmm. I, I myself had Hodgkin's lymphoma 16 years ago and oh, had that. Hmm. surgery, chemo, and radiation, and knock wood, I have had no recurrence, so I'm designated as cured. But we need to get people to respect science again and mm -hmm. the scientific method. So... Um, yeah, you hinted at this earlier with the uh, disrespect for authorities and experts. You know, people are fond of just hammering on um, uh, Anthony Fauci now and the CDC and what do they know? How come they're lying to us? They changed their mind. And, you know, just there's that uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. film, the real Anthony Fauci. There was that film Plandemic that was just debunked over and over uh, and on and on. It's, uh, you know, what are people thinking there? So some of it, again, is I think some of that proxy conspiracism that you know, it's a stand-in for something else that is it, it's tapping into what's going on in your head. You know, you don't trust any authorities. Mm. A little bit like that the study I talked about in the book uh, called "Dead and Alive." That people that uh, thought they that uh, that Princess Diana was murdered are also more likely to tick the box for that she faked her death mm. and is still alive somewhere. Well, she can't be both dead and alive in your head, right? That that's just not right. even possible to think that. So, but but so that it's illogical. It's it's irrational. But there's an underlying rationality that is, I don't trust authorities of any kind. Whenever the government tells me, you know, this or that, I just don't believe it. So it's some underlying distrust of authorities that's the problem. Again, irrespective of the specific case, there. And and again, I'm trying to say, well, governments do lie to their people sometimes, right? I mean, the Pentagon Papers show to what extent. Um, that, uh, you know, Eisenhower, Kennedy, Johnson, Nixon lied to the American public about the Vietnam War. I mean, to the point where, uh, you know, that McNamara would hold a press conference and he'd say X, you know, things are going great. We're about to turn the corner. And then, you know, like they have a memo from an hour later where he's, you know, advising the president, things are going bad. <laughs> and, you know, right. we're about to lose the war if we don't do something. And so they're just so they're just lying to us. Right. And, you know, the Afghanistan papers are very similar. Right. Uh, that uh, 
not just Bush, but also uh, the Obama administration, you know, lying about what was going on in Afghanistan. And it's just astonishing that, you know, so much of this stuff is fairly recent. Even, and I always uh, admired and respected Obama, it seemed like an honest guy, really wanted to do the right thing. But so maybe this is a conspiracy theory. When you get elected president, they take you in the back room and they go, okay, here's what's actually going on. And you're like, oh no, I can't close Gitmo. No, nah, I can't close Gitmo. I can't pull the troops. No, nah, I can't pull the troops. Because if you do that, then this is going to happen. This is going to happen. And then the Russians and then the Iranians. And it's, oh no. Okay. <laughs> right. Well, was it Eisenhower who talked about the military industrial yeah. complex yeah. first? Yeah. Yes. And Yes. And is. Uh, so right. there is something to the deep state, and it could be just the powers that be that want to make a lot of money making weapons of war or wanting to impose right. their exactly. own ideologies. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, well, there's research uh, on the um, arms, the ar so-called arms race, but uh, the, the nuclear arms race and mutual assured destruction, all that. Much of the competition was not between the U.S. and the USSR, but between the uh, uh, military agencies within the United States. Interesting. This is why we have the triad, submarines, land-based missiles, and uh, air-based missiles, uh, air-based bombs. And, and because the Air Force, the Army, and the Navy each wanted to increase their budgets. Oh, look, my God, they, you know, the government is going to uh, allocate just billions of dollars in defense. We got to get in on that. And uh, so Fred Kaplan's done the heavy lifting on this. The journalist has written about um, the nuclear age mm -hmm. and, uh, and, 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 and how many targets they had to keep increasing in the USSR because they had to make more weapons. Mm. You know, it's like, we got a thousand. Well, that should be enough. We can target, you know, each of the hundred major cities, you know, with 10 nuclear weapons, that should do it. Well, but we got to keep making them because they're going to cut our budget if we don't keep making them. So we got to have more targets. All right, let's get 200 targets, 1,000 targets, 10,000 targets within the USSR, each of which had like a dozen different uh, nuclear bombs allocated for them, including Kaplan talks about this. Some site in Siberia, there's just nothing out there. Like 11 months out of the year, it's just totally frozen, right? And it's like we had 12 nuclear missiles targeted for this site. Why? Because we, you know. And uh, so I'll tell you a funny story that uh, one of the best um, Joe Rogan podcasts, he had Edward Snowden on, you know, mm. the, 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 the WikiLeaks, the NSA guy. Yeah. And uh, so Joe loves conspiracy theories, right? And so e Edward says, let me you tell you. You tell me, you have been on a show. I was on once, but I think you're a multiple guest. Go on. Well, so uh, Snowden told him, he goes, here's what's actually going on. It's just a bunch of bureaucrats trying to keep their jobs, increase their budgets, and just keep the whole system running. So they can't just say, we have we have solved the terrorism problem. We can all relax now. We've got it under control because then your budget gets cut. So they have to ramp up the security theater and the threat levels. And we got to find reasons to keep the money flowing and keep our jobs. So it's not cigarette smoking men behind closed doors plotting to take over the world. It's we just want to keep our jobs <laughs> yeah. right, and get a raise. And the contractors that supply the weapons want yes, to right. have same, their same kind of thing. Their bonuses and such. Um, I do want to just circle back for one minute and just state fourth generation warfare. Uh, I learned about it when I was researching the cult of Trump, and it was first written up by an American military strategist, William Lind. And it is designed to attack experts, science, and institutions to create confusion and disorientation. 
and Michael Flynn and others were doing this to other countries that were adversaries of us before they got aligned with the Christian right. And we know for a fact that Lind and Weirich paired up mm. and, and, and Flynn and others are part of this belief system where they think they're the true Christians, that America was a Christian country and like the indigenous people never existed here before mm. uh, and are at war uh, to to undermine the the executive um, the the democratic institutions in order to push states' rights. So there's this whole other piece of psychological warfare. And when you were talking about making weapons, nuclear weapons, it's my sense that there's been an arms race for mind control technology too. Uh, it wasn't just America doing MK Ultra. Russia mm -hmm. was doing it, oh, China, yeah. etc. Yeah, but they're not being honest with the public and saying, you know what? Intelligent, educated people's minds can get hacked, and here's how you can do it. And the only person that has connections, former connections to the to the government, who's talking about it, is a man I interviewed named Rand Waltzman who uh, was with the Rand Corporation, but he was mm. head of DARPA for a bunch of years deciding. And he does these little slides, Michael, on uh, LinkedIn and, and Twitter, explaining social psychology techniques mm. or propaganda mm. techniques. And they're little bite-sized chunks, but everyone is spot on. And he adds little cartoons to illustrate it. Mm. And every time I'm on Twitter or LinkedIn, I'm like liking it and sharing it and saying, you is, should is study this, stuff, this like, stuff. Is this are, is this things like Robert Cialdini's principles of influence? So Bob Cialdini, old friend of mine, wrote Influence and then a better book, I think, a later book called Presuasion about mm -hmm. the importance of framing. No, this is someone who was involved with computers and AI for mm. decades Mm. who is involved with the government, who is now co-founder of the Information Professionals Association. But he, like me, and I believe you too, we believe like sharing and teaching what we've learned to get it across to the public is really our hope for the future rather than people just going, the enemy is the media, you know, the media is the enemy of the people, therefore I don't trust anything. And I don't trust anyone except mm -hmm. my buddy, my recruiter, that I met right. video gaming. <laughs> That's really funny. I guess that really does happen. <laughs> Unfortunately, when I was researching ISIS recruitment online, that was one of the major mm. techniques was to, to game with people. And then the mind gets tricked to think they're a friend when you don't even know their name mm. or where they're from. Uh, and then to lure them to other uh, locations less public and begin mm. the swarming, which used to be called love bombing in, mm. in real life with cults being done online, sometimes with bots. Uh, Is this the same technique that catfishers use, that pedophiles, to get uh, teenage girls uh, that's one of many techniques, absolutely. I'm doing two chapters for a textbook on hypnosis now, mm. um, Michael, uh, and my, I'm doing it with a former law professor, Alan Shefflin, on the dark side of hypnosis. And part of the, the second chapter is all about um, 
how people are training people how to rape other people using covert hypnotic techniques or mm. you know the, the, the pimps traffickers extremist mm. groups etc and the addictive nature of the online environment people's brains are not oriented to being online 11 hours a day mm -hmm. where we're being overloaded with too much content for us to actually analyze mm. even a small percentage of these things. Mm. I worked on uh, behind the scenes on this Netflix series on how the mind works in one of the episodes on brainwashing. And they found this woman in Texas who was a hardcore QAnon lady. She was a very attractive, intelligent, educated, uh, started her own company, a PR company, married kids, the whole thing. She had the, the perfect life. And then COVID shut everything down. Company was basically went out of business and she's just home, you know, just online all day. And she describes what happened with the QAnon stuff to the point where her husband basically gave her an ultimatum. It's QAnon or me and the kids. Because if you choose QAnon, I'm taking the kids and leaving. Mm -hmm. And she chose QAnon. I mean, now now she's telling the story because she you know, came to her senses. But right. But you know, but she's described the mindset of being, you know, this conspiracy theory draws me into the most interesting, exciting, important thing I'll ever do. You know, combat the deep state, and we're going to expose the pedophile right. ring. And this is, you know, w when will I ever have a chance like this to be part of this? Much like the uh, the January sixth insurrection. It's like yep. one of them was, you know, screaming, "This is our seventeen seventy six moment." Right. You know, like like they're John Adams and George Washington and Jefferson, and we're out there, you know, kind of com combat the evil uh, people and so on. And it's like, wow. So you can kind of see the the, the emotional valence. There. Yeah, just I, I was chosen by God to save the world, and you know, World War III was going to happen in 1977, and all of my dead ancestors on my father's and mother's side were stuck in low levels in the spirit world and needed me to do good acts to give them my vitality elements. And the Moonies actually got held up uh, in Japan for spiritual sales. They conned over 35,000 people with that routine. Really? They would check obituaries, knock on the people's doors. Your deceased husband communicated with me in prayer. He's stuck in a low level in the spirit world. You need to go to the bank. And give me, you know, fifty thousand dollars, and I'll do a ceremony to liberate your deceased husband. Wow. They got like something like eight hundred million dollars. Oh my God! And, Incredible. And, and because of the assassination of former uh, Prime Minister Abe mm. by a, a young man whose mother had been in the Moonies, now they are outing all these politicians who've been associated with the Moonies. And they're talking about creating some type of way to discern if if somebody is trying to solicit funds by using excessive fear, it should be illegal. At least it's being debated now in Japan. Huh. But interesting. The issue is, you know, how do we have freedom? How do we protect rights? Have free speech, but also protect the public from artful and designing people who know these these methods. Yeah. Yeah. I started reading your book. Uh, you sent me the PDF yesterday. So I, st I started reading it. You know, this is a concept of undue influence. It's an interesting one. So there's a legal aspect, but there's also kind of a psychological uh, assessment of it. 
you know, I'm, I'm kind of conflicted about that. I'm not sure what to think on this. You know, to what extent do we have volition and free will and we are of our own uh, choices and so forth? O or are we heavily influenced? Obviously both. But at some point, what's the tipping point where you're really not in control, even if you feel like you are? To me, this is the hard one. You know, I've read your work and I read that uh, Kathleen, Catherine Turner, uh, Taylor's book, uh, Brainwashing, you cited in your book. Oh, right, the neuroscientist from the, the neuroscientist. UK. Yeah. I read her book and, I, and, and she, she said, well, it's more complicated than that. You can't just brainwash people. There's no, there's no such thing as a Manchurian candidate, exactly. At least for most people. Maybe there's isolated cases or something like that. So I'm not actually sure what to think about that. Maybe you and I will have a podcast episode on mine. I to, would to love that to deeper. do that. Um, I actually was persuaded by a professor at my uh, forensic think tank that's part of Harvard Medical School to go do my doctorate on the issue of undue influence and the law. Yeah. So I took the existing main models of brainwashing, thought reform, uh, coercive persuasion. I connected it to existing law about trafficking, which is fraud, force, or coercion. It doesn't have to be all three. It can just be fraud and coercion. Mm -hmm. And uh, I did the first quantitative study uh, on my bite model to, to demonstrate along the influence continuum. What, what is authoritarian control? Well, if you control where they live, control their sleep, food, clothing, name, so there's a laundry list people can tick off. Mm. And the more you tick off, the more extreme it gets, even to the point of, you know, strapping on a bomb and blowing mm. yourself up. Right. With so a, a pseudo identity. Yeah. Yeah. A spectrum that way. Right. Do you think there could be a Manchurian candidate? So in the sense that they wanted to make somebody assassinate someone and have no recollection of doing it. Um, I think that it's probably feasible with hypnosis and maybe use of some drugs too, but they don't need to do that anymore. It's out mm -hmm. in the open. I was a Mooney. Like I, I believed that democracy was satanic and we need mm. a theocracy. And I was prepared to kill or die on command mm. through the programming of the moon cult. So mm. uh, I did a chapter in an Oxford University press book, Lone Actor Terrorism. And the chapter I did with my friend John and a couple of other co-authors, we did the, the chapter on online indoctrination as opposed to just blaming mm. the people as being loners or on the autism spectrum or whatever, I was talking about how we can be co-opted mm. through social psychology. Mm, yeah. Um, but yeah, maybe you don't need the extreme version of the Manchurian candidate. I mean, you can get uh, Islamic, Islamic, ISIS has figured out how to recruit people and get them to want to do this <laughs> willingly, exactly. happily, right? But when I was on Rogan's podcast, we were talking about MK Ultra and and all that. And he said, "Well, did you read Tom uh, uh, McNeil's book, Chaos? I think I told you about this, mm. uh, which I hadn't. I, I wasn't even aware of it. And I think the subtitle was Charles Manson, the CIA, and the Secret History of the '60s. So his thesis, which he admits right up front, I, I was unable to prove after 20 years and 500 pages, uh, is that uh, Manson was somehow involved with the CIA in some level." Because the, here's the problem to solve. How is it he got those girls to kill, you know, the Tate-LaBianca murders, in such ruthless, cold blood, and he wasn't even there 
at the site, right? I mean, he just sent them off. Right. Uh, to to his credit, Bullusi got him convicted along with the girls. But but still, I mean, that's some serious. Well, we know mind that control. Manson was involved with Scientology, and part of my chapter for this hypnosis textbook focuses on Hubbard because he explicitly wrote about hypnosis mm. and cited actual books that he was reading. And the whole training routines, which is what their initial communications course uh, is about, is based on training trance and training obedience in trance to the Scientologist. Oh, interesting. Uh, so I go through the exercises that people are thinking they're learning how to communicate better, but in fact, they're being taught how to go into trance and accept uh, uh, mm. orders that they consciously would say, what? No, I'm not gonna do that. Um, but also Manson liked to use LSD and other drugs, mm -hmm. so, and, and had sex with most of the women as well. Mm -hmm. And what I've learned from my 46 years as a mental health professional, had number of cases where people were literally having intercourse and doing hypnotic su suggestions that they were lovers in a past life Mm. or any number of other provocative stories that one can never disprove, especially mm. while you're in an ecstatic state of arousal. But mm. the ideas can be placed in your mind and then built upon later if you have access to the persons. Interesting. Yeah, I just watched uh, Darren Brown's Netflix special called Miracle. I don't know if you've seen this. Oh, I, I, um, I use Darren Brown's clips when I'm mm. counseling people to show people how if someone is unethical, they can get them to turn over their wallet to a stranger <laughs> on the street while he's asking for directions. <laughs> yes. And I actually Incredible. saw his show in Broadway uh, where he mm. said, I'm an atheist and I don't believe that there's any mystical thing whatsoever, but here's how faith healers work. And he did. He brought people on the stage and yeah. and healed them. And it's like, wow! How did you do that? And it's mm -hmm. like the mind is amazing. There, but there he's using hypnosis, right? Just kind of a quick form of hypnosis. Yep. And maybe we're seeing edited versions. So maybe there's some people just didn't work that well on, right? Because exactly, yeah. exactly correct. And that's the thing about you know entertainers is they're only going to choose the good. <laughs> good samples and yeah, he doesn't right. he's not a mental health professional he doesn't pretend to be but i really he does the, the impermissible social experiments that i could never do as a mental health professional but i can show a video and explain mm. the confusion technique the anchoring technique the the, the embedded command technique etc to my clients um, and that's basically a core of my approach, Michael, is just educating people through my own journey, what I've learned mm -hmm. about just, and giving case example after case example, not starting with the one that they're in, but because people can hear it better if it's about mm -hmm. another group or whatever. And in fact, in when my deprogramming, they got me out by showing me Chinese communist brainwashing techniques that Robert J. Lifton wrote in oh, his really? 1961 oh, right. book. And, right. and we went through all eight and it's like, we do those. 
And I'm like, but they're Satan and we're God. How come we're doing the same techniques? And that was before the light turned on. I went, oh, so I was under mind control. Oh, now I get it. Yeah. Well, I, I wonder if the same model then applies to talking people out of conspiracy theories like QAnon. It, it's not going to happen overnight. Uh, you know, you just got to work at it. We, ask, both, you know. we both we uh, both quoted Mick West's work, oh, right, es right. Escaping the Rabbit Hole, and he he's a retired person who just got developed a hobby to debunk conspiracy theories and has a site, metabunk.com, uh, I believe. But what works is time, patience, respect, and and tuning in to what specifically is going on in that person's mind before they joined and during and asking hypothetical questions as you also recommended. What if, or is there anything that could persuade you? And I wanna share quickly, because uh, we're running out of, of time, I, I would sometimes ask Moonies this question, you'll appreciate this one, I think. What if Moon gets on a stage, you're sitting there, and he says, I have to ask your forgiveness, but I'm seeing a psychiatrist. Now I'm on medication. I realize I'm not the Messiah. Go home. <laughs> would you believe it? Right. And they, the first reaction of Amuni is he would never say that, to which right. I say, I agree. He, he would <laughs> never say that. But what if he did? How would that impact you? Hmm. Right. And then you wait, you give long time for silence, That's let them one. think about that. it. Right. And it's like, hmm, the Messiah is telling me to go home. <laughs> right. I've been programmed for three years to listen to the Messiah, and now he's saying, I'm right. not the Messiah, go home. What do you do with that? Well, I guess you'd have to convert it to a, the version of being in an entertaining show like a Darren Brown show, who says right at the front, I'm going to do some great stuff here. It's all fake. It's a trick. I'm not, I'm not supernatural. There's no such thing. I'm, I'm an atheist and so on. And then he does it and everybody's like, oh my God, that's unbelievable. Right. But, but he's not asking them to give money or well, they bought tickets, I guess, but he's, right. he's not sending them out to do uh, bad things or anything like that. A so. thousand percent. He actually did a show where he, he elicited people by putting them in tubs of ice to find someone who was a high hypnotizable Mm. and replicated a Manchurian candidate scenario where he was told to kill the enemy. Oh, and right. There was an exploding dye pack. I couldn't prove that it wasn't staged because it was yeah. his show. But right. hypothetically, I think it might be possible to hypnotically. I believe, I believe him. I know him a little bit. I believe him when he says he doesn't use plants. And I think most magic, good magicians like Penn and Teller, David Copperfield, they... They don't use plants to get the effect. I have heard of magicians that do this. Sure. You know, they get somebody on stage, and this happened to a friend of mine who said, he, I won't say who the magician was, but he said, okay, he kind of whispered in his ear, he's on stage, I'm going to take your watch off now, just go along with it. My friend is like, what? Right. <laughs> so I right. guess sometimes that happens, but I, I, I can't imagine someone big like that would do that because then the, the person can just go online and go, hey, guess what? <laughs> Copperfield told me he's going to take out my watch and just go along. That wasn't Copperfield. I agree. <laughs> I totally agree. And um, so I, I want to just thank you again. You've done decades of really important work and we're going to need to wrap up. 
Uh, I want to give you the last words. Michael oh, well, Shermer. Thanks, Steve. Well, it's, it was an honor to, honor it. to <laughs> Yes, that's a good last word. No. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to give you the last word. Forgive oh, yeah. me. So, uh, well, I'm pretty proud of the book. I think it's my most important book because the, the topic is front and center. It's not a fringe subject. It's important that we know what we know about. We disseminate what we know about conspiracy theories and why people believe them. There is a whole field of uh, scholars and scientists that work on this. And there's not that many books on the subject like mine. Most of them are pro conspiracy or they just straight debunk conspiracies but not address the you know why people believe them and what's the psychology and anthropology and sociology and so forth politics behind all that because there's yep. a lot there so that's what i was trying to do there anyway people can access my work at i think it's or a very important book i thank you continued success and uh, uh right, i'm Steve. definitely <laughs> open to future conversations at any point oh, i'm gonna have you on my show and talk about cults i want to get more into this brainwashing thing I read uh, that book, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, so I'd have to go through that again. Because I, I am conflicted about to what extent you can control people. It's probably along the lines of a spectrum. And, you know, there's a selection bias there. The, 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 you know, in terms of, like, people, why do people fall for cults? Well, most, most of the time they don't. Right. You know, we, you know, we have the, you know, the extreme versions, you know, the Mansons and the Jim Joneses and the, you know, Waco guy. Koresh and so on. Koresh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, but I was just thinking about this, you know, the tens of thousands of self-help groups and organizations and, and yep. meetings, you know, vast majority of them, they don't have people drink the Kool-Aid or go out and commit crimes. They're just, just doing their thing. Yep. I, I invite you to take a look at my dissertation. It's on my website. And I use a model that law professor Alan Shefflin, who actually wrote one of the first books on MK Ultra. Hmm. Uh, and, and came out in 78, I believe. Um, he talks about the influency and their unique vulnerabilities, might be situational vulnerability, death of a loved one, hmm. illness, divorce, whatever. The characteristics of the influencer or the predatory organization and the profile of most predators is malignant narcissist, mm -hmm. interestingly. Yes. And then the how is it done and what are the consequences and the bite model and the influence continuum is that coercion mm -hmm. definition thing that we need. Frankly, we need more scientific studies to mm -hmm. see if we can falsify it or if there's an, a, another way we can uh, evaluate it. But it, it, it requires more than just a psychiatrist or psychologist interviewing a person. You have to talk to their family and friends and mm. hear, did they get radicalized? What happened? What was going on in that life? You have to research sometimes with private investigators. Who is this person who's the predator? Mm. Well, what's the background of this particular organization? Oh, he used to be in Scientology or he used to be mm. in some other cult. So I do believe the future, we do need to have some way to ethically and scientifically evaluate along a continuum mm -hmm. what that what that formula is that yeah. causes people to do harmful things to themselves or society. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Stephen, thank, thank you so you much. Thank you again. <laughs> OK, you're welcome. We'll be in touch. Thanks <laughs> okay. so much. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. That's it for today's episode of The Influence Continuum. I've been your host, Dr. Stephen Hassan. Theme music for the podcast is by Nasser Malik. To 
keep up to date with me and happenings that I think are important, please visit my website at freedomofmind.com. There you'll find in-depth articles about cults, mind control, and other relevant topics. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at cultexpert. If you want to develop a comprehensive understanding of these topics, I highly recommend my books, Combating Cult Mind Control, Freedom of Mind, and The Cult of Trump, in that order. These books are a culmination of 45-plus years of experience and will really help you grasp the complex web of undue influence. I have also launched a new nine-hour online course for anyone interested in a deep dive into issues related to recovering from undue influence in all forms. While this course is designed for clinicians, everyone can benefit. If you're a former member, I congratulate you for your bravery and invite you to use the hashtag IGOTOUT and join our online community at IGOTOUT.org. Remember, love is stronger than mind control. And thanks for listening.